I look at my daughter who's 20 and the other one's 17 and remember myself at those ages, I was racked and riddled with uncertainty and insecurity and no real solid confidence in anything I was doing. Um, but I, I wouldn't go back because I feel so much better now about who I am, how I handle things. I think, you know, we're all headed in the same direction and I think you just have to sort of embrace embrace it along the way every age. Welcome back to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss and navigate the ever changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey ladies. Hi. Hey. So I am excited to bring my friend and author mentor, Lori Gelman on today. If the last name sounds familiar, it's because Lori's husband is the legendary TV producer, Michael Gelman of Live with Kelly and Ryan. Little known fact, Lori actually spent 25 years as a broadcaster here and in her native Canada before trying her hand at writing novels. We met in 2017 when she debuted the best-selling Class Mom, more on that later, and she followed it up with the hilarious You've Been Volunteered and now Yoga Pant Nation. Lori often turns up on Live with Kelly and Ryan and lives in New York City with Michael and their two daughters and new puppy. Jamie here. Okay, so listen to this show today if you need a nudge to chase your dreams, you want to embrace the humor in mom truths, and you wouldn't mind a little Kelly and Ryan inside scoop. Okay, I am pumped to have you here with us today, Lori. I have to share the story of how we met. I was doing a segment on Live with Kelly and Ryan, probably hacking something, maybe with uh, vodka and kitty litter. And then after the show, your husband, Michael, comes to the green room and he like stealthily hands me this manila envelope. I'm like, okay, Michael. And in that envelope was the galley of your first book, Class Mom. Now, I have three kids and have been a class mom and barely have any time to read, but I happened to be getting on a plane and I devoured the galley cover to cover. I was laughing out loud and embarrassing myself on the train and the plane. Um, and like fast forward, I wound up blurbing your book, which is just author speak for writing it, a quote for the cover. And subsequently, we had this fun major rager book party in Westfield, aka Westfield, New Jersey. Um, and at that party, I, this is my appreciation post you inspired me to realize I had a book in me and could do it too. So, yay! I just have to say the biggest thank you. You are so welcome. I can't believe my husband did that. That's just, you know, he, he does things like that. I realized that without me, I don't know what he would talk about because I'll be, we'll be at a dinner party and I'll be at one end of the table and I'll look over to him and he's maybe, you know, across the table and three down and I can hear him and he's like, well, and then Lori said, and I was like, why are you always talking about me? Oh, that's so cute. funny. And he's proud. Heavy. He's your Love PR it. rep. And I'm so here for that as a former PR rep myself. <laughs> All right. So wait, Lori, this is Jamie. I want to dive into some cues because class mom is obviously so damn funny and inspired by your own time as a class mom. So I got to start off with this because we all love the scoop. What advice did Kelly Ripa give you when you were first considering becoming a class mom? Oh, I, she was like, don't do it. I called her and I said, I just got asked to be class mom. And she's like, oh, say no. <laughs> and, you know, without each, do not do that. And I was so upset because I was like, no, no, it's an honor. I can't believe, I feel like I won something. I was so excited. So um, I, I did not listen to her advice. And, uh, you know, Lothi's was like seven years later, I finally got out of the class mom business. But yeah, it was... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think there's two types of people. People that get excited by that and people that look at it as a chore. I happen to be the latter, but God bless the former because otherwise, how, how would the world go round, right? So- oh, you have to be, everybody's raising their hand. Is it chore or is it like I'm, I'm honored? Because you, you have to be stupid new guy in kindergarten to think that it's that's anything but a chore. Like, and I was, I was like, wow, like out of all the moms they could have picked. I was the same. I was like, what an honor. Oh my gosh. They think I can do this. Wait, really? This is Heidi. And I just like, I couldn't handle how many times I was requested to be at school without being a class mom for this (laughs) event and that event and this. And, And I was just like, why? I thought I was like, offloading child care why do i feel like i'm involved every day <laughs> it's like the, the stay-at-home moms believe i could handle it i mean that's right. how i felt like, right yes. right right because you're such a multitasker but i think as long as you do it with a sense of humor and you keep your like snarky attitude but i actually heard is it true that you actually got fired for writing snarky emails many of which you used in the book yes that is absolutely true but here's the here's the the the, the thing I was writing the snarky emails for four years and everybody loved them. I mean, they really did. I had dads writing me back saying, I've never read a class mom email before. And now I look forward to yours. And I, I, I made it really fun for everybody. And then in the fifth year, they asked me and I said, no, I've already done it twice for each kid. And, and then I go, oh, please, you're such a great class mom. And, you know, little did I know there's nobody else. It's like the mob. You can't get out. They just keep pulling you back. Um, so I, I said, okay, I'll do it one more time. And I wrote my usual, you know, announcing my presence with authority email, telling everybody it's my way or the highway and all the other things I say. And it was just one mom who was offended. And she said, I, she went right to the PTA president and said, I really don't like, you know, the way this woman talks to, to us. And I think she should be fired. And, and, and then the PTA president called me and said, I'm sorry, we're going to ask you to step down because this woman complained. And I said, well, wouldn't you want me to just like tone down the emails? And she said, Oh, would you do that? And I said, no, I will not do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Stand, stand behind your snarky it's your emails. your way or the highway. Did I help that already? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I love, so your title character, Jen Dixon is a real hoot. Now, is she all you or is she based on a collection of moms? I think she's the me that I would love to be if I was brave enough I mean, what I love most about Jen is I can write her inner dialogue as well. And so a lot of what's funny that comes out is not something that's come out of her mouth, but mostly what's, you know, what's going on in her head at the time. And I find that I'm kind of like that. Like I would, I, for many years would go into a room and I wouldn't say anything. I would just be listening. And, and, you know, people were like, oh, she's shy or she's whatever, dumb. I don't know what they were saying. (laughs) But um, what I was doing is like, I had the cocktail party in my head and I was like, riffing on everybody and all the things that I, and so finally through Jen, I was able to say things out loud. That's amazing. (laughs) I'm like, we all need a Jen. (laughs) All right. So there are three books in your series and I think I saw you're working on a fourth. I am desperately working on the fourth. Megan, you know about deadlines. (laughs) Mine is in a week and I am panicking. Oh wow. You're that close. Okay. Well, good luck. You don't need it because you're awesome. You're a rock star <laughs> and it's your way of the highway. Um, but for anyone listening who hasn't read all three of your books, can you give a quick, 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 quick synopsis of Class Mom, You've Been Volunteered and Yoga Pant Nation pretty please? 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the following Jen Dixon, this this mother who had two grown children and then meets the love of her life and has a child in her 40s. So now she's 45 and has a, a kindergartner. So the class mom is all about her adventures through kindergarten. And then getting into the second and third and, and the fourth book, you really you find out more about her, her parents and her family and her kids, all of them together and their lives and their dramas and things in, in their life. So it She's still involved in school, and the second one, she's in charge of safety patrol, which is a horrible job. The third one, she's involved, uh, she's in charge of the, um, in in the second one, she's in charge of the, or excuse me, in the third one, she's in charge of the school fundraiser, which is, I don't know if anybody's ever had that. Wait, can you tell us what you call the committee? Because it's so funny. Well, you know, it's so funny. Everybody asks me about this, and it's not supposed to be said out loud. She only ever says it in her head, and then it's on paper. But it's, um, their, their nickname is We Fundraise Until Kingdom Come Team. <laughs> F-C-U-F-U-C-K-T. But yeah, if you read the book, she gets into trouble, you know, by saying it out loud. And it's, oh my gosh. No way. All right, so Lori, I know you had a very successful broadcast career before you your foray into writing. So did you write before this? Or like what made you make the leap from like, hey, I think I have a book idea to actually writing four novels? Well, the, the writing I did when I was in broadcasting was all for broadcasting. So it was I was a news writer and I wrote um, packages for you know CBS and ABC, whoever. I, I was working for a ton of people. So that was a different kind of writing because it's just the facts, man. You really, like your creativity can, can enter into it sometimes, but you really have to stick with the basic facts of what's in front of you. Um, when I decided to write, I had left television to raise my children and found that nobody, shockingly, wants a 50-year-old woman to come back into TV. <laughs> so I, uh, I decided I needed a, uh, a job. I needed, a, I needed something. I needed a creative outlet because I'm a creative person. And so I decided to try to write a book and I wrote a children's book and it didn't do well um, at all. I wouldn't, 47 people rejected it. It must have been the worst book ever. I don't even know. I don't remember. Um, And then I was talking to my agent at the time over lunch and he was telling me why 47 people rejected the book. And I took a call from a class parent who was asking me when they're she, she was wondering where the, when her parent teacher conference is. And I was like, Oh, just a minute, I have that, you know, right information right in front of me, which I didn't. And it was ridiculous. Why do you have to ask you? Just look at the email I just sent and it'll tell you exactly when your conference is. And um, so I started telling him the stories and he was like, oh my gosh, that's your book. You got to write it. And I didn't get it until I started writing it because I was like, oh, it's just so annoying. Why would I want to put myself in that world and annoy the crap out of myself every day by writing about this? And you realize it has to be something you're passionate about, whether it drives you crazy or you absolutely love it or it pisses you off, whatever it is, whatever you want to write, you need to be passionate about. But the structure of of fiction would be hard for me. Like I'm a nonfiction writer. So did you have to take a class and like, here's where you need a beginning, a middle and an end. Here's how you create the story arc. Yeah, Yeah, that probably would have been really helpful. (laughs) But I didn't because I, I was like, I've read books. I'll write one. And, you know, it took me three years to write it. But what I, knew, what I did know 
when I started was that it was going to be a school year. So it was going to start in September and end in June. And I was going to hit Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Valentine's Day and all that, you know, all the, the major things that you hit. And, and the sort of, once you start building it that way, it's an easy, you know, I don't go structure in time, like some amazing writers can do that. And they have many voices and many different perspectives in a book. Like I haven't tried that yet. I've only done this one, you know, voice. So that'll probably be, Right after I finish the fourth book, I'll try to get into something like that. Right. Speaking of of benchmarks and moments throughout the year, I'm just going to take it back to Instagram because we are off the gram. And so we spend a lot of our life on the gram. So I I have followed you on Instagram for quite a while. And I saw on Instagram that you celebrated your birthday in April, right? You took a ski trip to Park City. And was there a broken pelvis involved? I I have to hear this story. What the heck happened? Oh, my gosh. Well, the the funnier part is I had um, spinal fusion surgery. A year and a half earlier, a year and three months earlier, I had had spinal fusion surgery, which was brutal and took me forever to recover from. And it was feeling finally feeling great. And I thought, oh, I'll just go skiing and and I'll just take it really easy. And I was taking it easy, but I was at the top of the mountain and I tried to avoid a a mom who had stopped with her son to fix his skis. And somebody else clipped me from the other side. I fell and I broke my pelvis in two places. Oh. And that was on my 57th birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to Happy you. Birthday. Happy birthday to you. Well, I mean, like, let's let's talk about aging for a minute. So we were we, we talk about this a lot because we're all like we're ladies of a certain age, but we also feel like we're 20. But like the reality is we also do shows on like menopause and we're like, yeah, we're there, too. You know, my mom actually is Joan London, who's a big friend of the sh- of the show and knows her husband with- very well. And wrote a book about uh, her last book was called Why Did I Come in This Room? A Candid Conversation About Aging. Actually, now that I think about it, her last media appearance before COVID shut everything down, we all went to do live. And there was like six of us in the audience because nobody was allowed in. We had to clap really loud because yeah. people had to make a whole audience. <laughs> you want to so, know a story about your mom that I probably shouldn't tell, but yes, um, I, I will. And you can cut it out if you don't want to. Yes. My at Good Morning America. I um, was told to come in and go in the green room and I walked in the green room and your mom was lying on the couch with her boyfriend making out. <gasps> yes. Who was the boyfriend? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We're not cutting this out. Sorry, Joni. We're not cutting out. <laughs> we need Joni to pop in and all. tell us who the boyfriend was. <laughs> Joni will not confirm or deny. Can I we FaceTime Joni and find out? <laughs> call a friend. Yeah, call a friend. That's amazing. You know, she's a wonderful broadcaster, obviously, and I, you know, I nothing but respect for her, but it was the first time I met her, so I will never forget. Well, that's a that's a good first meeting. You know, that is one of the interesting things, actually, about our own personal trajectories was that when she was getting divorced from my dad and having her kind of coming of age, because she never really got to be young. She came to New York, got the job on GMA and became a very, like, a, it was a very high pressured situation. So she sowed her wild oats in between, you know, divorcing my father and meeting her husband. And I was like, in my late years of my teens, finding myself. So Mama Joni and I would basically like bump into each other at the nightclub, at the tunnel <laughs> in New York City. I'm ki- not kidding. And it was this really interesting thing. So, but I think that's almost what I'm getting at. You know, I love to hear women's perspective about aging, about having daughters and kids who are, you know, coming along the trajectory, like there's a lot of wisdom to be had there. So what is one thing you wouldn't change about aging? I think my age, 
You know, um, I think about, I look at my daughter who's 20 and the other one's 17 and remember myself at those ages. And my, I was wrapped and riddled with uncertainty and insecurity and um, no real solid confidence in anything I was doing. It was a lot to do with my childhood. That's a whole other show. Um, but I, I wouldn't go back because I feel so much better now about who I am, what comes out of my mouth, how I handle things. I mean, I was, I had such a temper, everything bugged me and everybody bugged me. And I was, you know, nah, 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 and I would say it out loud and I would get jealous. And it was just, it was really, you know, I was not the greatest person. I worked really hard and I was, you know, I, I was successful at work, but um, in, in my, my inner life was very bad. So I think, you know, we're all headed in the same direction and I think you just have to sort of embrace, embrace it along the way every age. It's a wonderful lesson. Question, have you always approached adversity with humor? Because I think it's one of your absolute, it's one of the most charming things about you. And it, it actually is something that helps exude a confidence. I think that when you're able to approach the world with humor, it's it's a very charismatic way to come across in life. So has that always been your MO or is it something that you gained with age? I gained my, my sense of humor with age. I really did. I didn't, I was so uptight all the time. I was so worried. And so, you know, anybody who broke a rule, I'd get mad at them. And I couldn't, I couldn't make fun of anything because I was just too serious about everything. And it happened, I guess, in, after I had my kids, so you can't help but you laugh at everything they do. You just, I mean, they're so freaking funny. And yeah, it just sort of came out when I started, when I first started writing uh, before the books, I wrote a blog for babycenter.com. And I found my voice doing that. Just, you know, funny things like, you know, my daughter would expire if I actually, if we walked by one of her friends um, outside of school and I said, oh, hi, Haddles, even though her name was Hadley, my daughter would like die that I said something like that. And and I thought that was hysterically funny. So, I mean, I would write things like that um, just, you know, based on, on, on. I had that experience today. I called my son's friend, JP, Mr. Jeepers. <laughs> it was like, I don't know where it came out, but I was like, well, I, my friend had a boyfriend in college named JP and we called him Mr. Jeepers and it came out and everybody was like, dagger eyes, like you are so embarrassing. You might have taken off your yoga pants, but you're still so embarrassing, even showered. Oh, did you get yelled at for be having yoga pants at school? I used to get that all the oh time. Oh my gosh, every drop off. Oh my god, no! But I would drop off in yoga pants, and sometimes I would pick up in the same outfit because I went to the gym and I did like sixteen things and never got a chance to go home. And my daughter would be like, "You wore that this morning." <laughs> and my outfits are crazy because, like, I don't match, and I love prints and colors and pattern mixing, and I think I look amazing. But my eleven-year-old does not agree. I mean, I think you guys are so ahead of the curve. I have to say my stepfather who has passed, so, you know, he can't get upset at this. I was lucky if he had a bathroom that like covered him when he dropped me off at school. Like, and that's reality. I'd be like, and I'm like, you guys are dressed. It's true. I'm always in clothes. I have not picked up naked yet. That has not happened. Tell your kids that it's an option. (laughs) <laughs> that's so true and maybe they'll be grateful that you're dressed that's exactly what i'm saying tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> all right Lori, can we talk more because we do all have young children um meg has meg's has three as you know i have three jamie has two and 
Charlie Megan's is now 11. My twin girls are six, but I feel like they're going on 16. Um, and I'm sure Mace isn't far behind. James, do you have any sort of words of wisdom for those teen years? Because your daughters, they're getting older. They, and- turned, they turned out good. You did good, Lori. I, I like my daughters. We never had those bad years. And I think it's because... How old are they now? Uh, 20 and 17. They're people. They're people. They're people and they're good girls. They're like, they've always been good girls. Uh, I think, you know, we had dinner every, I I don't even know what it was. I, maybe I got lucky, had good genes, but we had dinner almost every night together. We talked about everything. I always told them they would never get in trouble as long as they didn't lie. The only thing they would ever get in trouble for is lying to me. So they could tell me anything and, and they will not, you know, get in trouble. And you just have to keep, make sure that that they know you're a safe place to talk because if they think that you're listening to them and then there are bad repercussions, or you're going to go tell your husband and then he will say something you're, you're done. They'll never trust you. And also, just tell me just please one more thing. Cause this is so important. Yeah. Watch out for their friends because no matter how great your kids are, they will never survive bad friends. That's, That's an awesome advice. Great how advice. do we know how bad their friends are? You know, you, know. you just know. <laughs> Because no. I'm now like, I don't trust that nine-year-old. No. That nine-year-old's bad news. Believe me. I, I have intuition. <laughs> you just know. You know who the bad kids are. And you get to know it more and more as they get into middle school and high school. Um, you really know. You know, so, Lori, I say things to Charlie like, that kid's an asshole. Their mom's an asshole. And that kid's an asshole. I'm just going to tell it to you straight because I feel like that's the only way she listens is if I'm like a little shocking about it. Yeah. Yeah, but he, she may not want to hear that, but you okay. just, just to try to steer her in the in another direction or, you know, here's the thing. If, if, if that girl is her friend and you know, she loves her, there's not a lot you can do except make sure they're around all the time so that you can see what the heck's going on. Okay. That's why the pandemic is a gift. I don't go to the city anymore. I, I can spy on everybody. Exactly. I love it. So I'm going to shift gears for a little bit because this is something that's been hard for me as a first-time author is critics and criticism and really being so open and out there. Talk to me, like, what do you want to say to those critics? How do you handle criticism? It makes my heart hurt a little bit every time someone doesn't like my work. You know, not liking my work is fine. Um, Some of the criticism is just so uncalled for. I mean, people really feel free to just, you know, let loose like this one this one woman said oh this woman just uses her husband to um advance her pathetic post tv career and she's a terrible writer and you know that's that's kind of unnecessary but people are also they they say things like oh it's a quick piece of fluff and you know she's here's the thing i know exactly what kind of book i write i am not in, in any delusional state thinking I've written War and Peace or, you know, the next great novel of any kind. I write chiclet that makes people laugh. I call it the palate cleanser between, you know, when you read A Little Life or something really tough like that, then you want something that'll make you laugh. And my books make you laugh. And I just, I, I don't like being criticized for not going deeper or making it a different kind of book because it's, it's the kind of book I want to write. And those kind of books are so necessary, especially for moms. I'm sure for other people too, but just to escape to something funny and light. 
it's legit the only books I can get through these days because I don't want to punch myself in the face when I'm done. I feel lighter and the world doesn't feel worse for having read it. And I think you're right. I think that's the criticism that hurts me. It's like, what is this privileged white woman who's been through nothing have to tell me? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. like, stop making it about that, right? Like, if you don't like happiness advice, don't take it. <laughs> you can be miserable and that's on you. Listen, I'll take good criticism anytime. I mean, there were some people made some really interesting and smart remarks. And I was like, oh, I will, I will seriously think about that. But just, just tossing it aside, like, like, you know, who did she think she is writing these stupid books? One of them said that it, it's so dumb. It's funny. Like it's re- so ridiculously dumb that you laugh at it. And it's like, that is not true. Your letters, the letters, the, the, the letters to the class are, they really, they're laugh out loud funny. Like they're just funny. And they've inspired me. I definitely send smarkier, snarkier emails now. I'm like, (laughs) well, because people like it. People like authenticity. There's nothing fun about a a perfectly pristine, dry world with no humor. Yeah. And, you know, parents are just people. You know, at the end of the day, we just want the human connection, especially now during COVID. I just did the invites to my son's birthday party. And I realized I don't really know any of the other parents because last year we went... We went through a whole school year and we never met. And, you know, you can't just be like there was I have these backyard workout events that I do. And I invited a bunch of his um, his friends, moms, just because I had their emails and they came and I was like, man, the, the human experience of connecting with other moms and being able to be true and authentic and celebrate also the parts that suck and laugh about it. That is the joyful part of being a class mom or being on the PTA or connecting with other moms. And I think that's what your book brings forward. Yeah. We're going to Catholic school now just so I can throw parties because you can't do it in public school. I can bring all the cupcakes I want to Holy Trinity. Wait, go Megs. Way to take control. You can't throw parties in In public school. they, they, They are no longer allowed to do birthday parties or birthday celebrations. Um, you can't bring in any kind of food items. Yeah. Oh, actually, in our New York City public schools, um, I found this out at the end of kindergarten last year with the twins. You're allowed to bring cup. You're allowed to have the you know school safe cupcakes. The teachers don't do it at lunch. They don't do it at snack. They do it at lineup to leave. They have the kids hand out their cupcakes with their party bags, which, by the way, in Tribeca get bigger and bigger and bigger each birthday, like giveaway party bags. There's like bracelet. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, But the teacher, like, I'm like, that's diabolical. The teachers give them cupcakes and send them home. I'm like, how about before gym? I don't know. Recess. All right, Lori, before we let you go, can I be nosy? Because our, our, our listeners are big fans of Live with Kelly and Ryan. You are part of the Live with Kelly and Ryan family. I see you on there all the time. Um, it seems like you and Ryan and Kelly are legit friends. Like I, you were just filming at your house in the Hamptons, right? Oh, that was fun, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they work with my husband. Kelly's I've known Kelly for over 20 years. She is a friend. Like I can always call her for advice or for, you know, vice versa. Um, Like she's, she's just great. Ryan, I don't really know that well. He's a super nice guy though. 
you know, it's not like we all go out for dinner every night of the week. It's, you know, like a few times a year we'll go out for dinner and it was lovely to have them at my house and they come another couple of times a year for parties and stuff like that. I was doing the show with Allie Wentworth and they were all talking about going for lamb, like somebody was making lamb chops or something like they were going for dinner somewhere when I think at your house. And I was like, that sounds fun that everybody's actually friends. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's a good group. Listen, the whole staff at that show live, which you should know from work best, like Chaff and Sholly and like the whole crew. And, I mean, the whole gang, Jan and and Nobody Elizabeth. leaves. Like everybody's been there for like, I've been doing the show for 15 years and it's the same producers. I think it, the newest person is, has been there for at least 10 years. Like yeah. people never leave. They just don't leave. It's a family. As someone who does a lot of morning television, like th- there's just something special and different about Live with Kelly and Ryan. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, I was going to see if you had, you know, we know that Ryan was single and we had had his old girlfriend, Shayna, on the show. So we weren't sure if you, you know, thought who would be the ideal next girlfriend, if you had any uh, if our listeners were trying to win Ryan's heart, who that would be. Well, you have to be probably be a good cook. He loves food so much. Um, he, he loves to travel. He doesn't like to stay in one place. So you have to be up for anything. Let's jump. Let's get here. Let's get there. And you have to love family because he absolutely adores his family. He's very, very close to them. He's a just, he's a just, he's a gem of a guy. He really is. He's very kind to me. Whenever I do the show, I say, I feel like I'm an American Idol contestant and he's coaching me to win. He's like, okay, what points do you want to get? Like he really, and I make him do nutty, nutty things. And he, I mean, we were cleaning bird poop last time I was on, you know, I mean, but he is very like nurturing. Like I feel very grateful that he wants his guests to succeed and he's there for that. Right. I mean, every, every, everybody who steps into that role, be it, you know, after Regis, it was uh, Michael Strahan and then any, any other um, co-hosts that have stepped in, they all feel very cared for. You know, they want everybody to do their best work. So they make sure uh, you are supported from the ground up for whatever it is you're going to do. And it's, it's a beautiful environment. It really I is. Have to say, it's my husband. He created the whole thing. Like he, I know. How many years has he been there now? It's like that 35 years. Oh my goodness. That's bananas. Well, while we're on the topic of of Gilman, of Michael Gilman, so we have our producer Raul, okay? And our producer Raul is like our Gilman. He is like our, he is like our, our mom, our dad, our showrunner, our, like he does that. He, we would die with that Raul. And we've never really introduced him to our listeners. And we thought, given this framework of today's show, that no better day than today. So also, Lori, we, this is season two of Off the Gram. We are just coming into it. It's our first month back from hiatus. And we thought, y'all, it is time for you to meet Raul. Love so, this. So we are going to bring Raul in to ask him a question because he's, of course, been listening as he always does. <laughs> so Raul, I have a question for you, our voice of God, Mr. Gelman. Raul. Show yourself, Raul. Show yourself. yourself. (laughs) I'm here. I'm here. Also, okay. Okay, ready? So we know that you are, by the way, congratulations, engaged to your was girlfriend, now fiance. Yay! And we've been so excited for you ever since that happened because you are off the grand family and you are our family. So I have a question for you, Raul. When can you, first of all, I guess the first part of the question is, can you envision your fiance, who like one beat ago was your girlfriend, right? And then in a beat later, she's going to be your wife. And this is like how life goes. Can you imagine her stepping into the class mom role? 
Oh my goodness. You guys are, I don't know if this is setting me up for success or, or failure with this. Success. <laughs> success. Uh, the, the true answer is, is that I feel like it's a, it's a lock already that she's going to be a class mom. She's very uh, type A, I guess, like, like many of you, she's a planner and she's also like, she's one of those people that if you're at a party she will find you and start a conversation with you. Like no, it doesn't matter if you know each other, like she could talk to anybody. So she's got that, like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like she's probably going to end up being like mayor of New York city at some point. But, well, can I just say, yeah. I have Kelly on line one for your fiance. She has <laughs> words of wisdom. Ah. <laughs> Raul, I want to know if she's going to do drop off and pick up in yoga pants. I think that that's going to be me. I think also, Raul, no, wait, time out. Does this mean you're having six kids, four kids? What does this mean? Are you going to be pregnant on your honeymoon? Like now I'm really going to get nosy. Hopefully not pregnant during the honeymoon. Um, <laughs> but these are all good questions. I don't know. I don't know how many kids. I guess time will tell, but there's no, no real plan there right now. You guys hear why we love Raul so much? I he's like Raul. when he speaks, he's so soothing. And now we all want to marry Raul. That was a very glowing <laughs> review you gave of your fiance because that's like a really good attribute. No, you should you... save some of that for like the rehearsal dinner or something. Mayor totally. of New York City. I'm super here for it. Yeah. Since the proposal's already done. <laughs> we know how he proposed? Don't know Raul? how he proposed. Raul, Raul, Raul how did, how you, did propose? you propose? Oh, how did I propose? Um, I, I purchased the ring um, like a week before New York City shut down. Uh, for the, the pandemic. Uh, and so my fiance and I, or I guess my girlfriend and I were living in our studio apartment and like a 500 square feet. And she knew it was there somewhere. And she claims that she never looked for it. And I believe her. <laughs> I'm not sure that I should, but I believe her. Um, and so I basically held on to that ring until July 4th where we were able to go over to her parents' um, home in New Jersey, uh, where they, um, I don't know, somebody always brings fireworks. You know, you never know quite how that stuff it's happens. so Jersey. But, we just yeah. always have explosives. <laughs> exactly. And so there were, that night, I, you know, we had our families there, or as many people as we could sort of like safely gather in the backyard and everything. And wasn't anything like super crazy. I kind of just like blacked out, you know, got down on one knee um, and not even really sure exactly what I said, I think, but it, it whatever it was, it was, it was um, convincing. So, but it was, there were fireworks. What do you mean? It wasn't a big deal. There were literal fireworks. There were fireworks <laughs> happened after the actual proposal. I did not propose during the fireworks. I felt like that might, you know, there might be like communication issues. Like, right. That's only a producer says that there could be communication issues. Yeah. The sound might not have been right. <laughs> you want to be very clear with your proposal. I feel like, but you did it with her whole family and everybody That's she cared sweet. about that could be there. That's amazing. Yeah, that was that was big for both of us. I think we definitely. I, I, I mean, I had an original plan of like Central Park and meeting everyone afterwards and all this different stuff, but uh, you know. Lemons, so. <laughs> well done, young man. Well done. I love Thanks. it.
Okay, so our question is from Big Life Journal, um, the founders of Big Life Journal. It's a really like empowering journals and activities and empowerment for kids. Hi, this is Laura from Big Life Journal, and I'd like to ask, what's one thing we need to normalize about motherhood? This question is for me, obviously. <laughs> yes. It's for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> taking over. He's like take. Now he's taking more of the armchair. You know what I mean? Yes. He's comfortable. Spreading his wings. Next, he'll be getting lighting and makeup. Where's your ring light, Raul? <laughs> see it. I want your robe back. Um, normalized. Well, I mean, just the mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Like, just ex- accept that we all make mistakes. No mother is perfect. You may be a great mom, and then one day you scream at your kid in the store because you just had it. And that's the one time someone sees you and they think, you know, oh, judgmental, you're a terrible mother. I think just have, just be nicer to each other, you know, in general. Um, and, and I'm just trying to think of a great answer, but I, I really like, can't. Also doing pickup in yoga pants. Answer. Let's just normalize it. Pick up and drop off in yoga pants. I don't know that anybody but our kids really, you know, um, judges us for that. <laughs> Oh, I disagree. Really? I disagree. I think there is a, a sect of moms. I mean, I can only speak from New York City experience, but um, but also, Lori, if judgmental. you saw how good Heidi looks in her yoga pants, that might nice. be part you. of it, girlfriend. Because I know I'm just running from the subway <laughs> for my clients. <laughs> Thank you, though, Megan. You're the best. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I think at the end of the day, we all feel like we're not, especially when you're a working mom, you always feel like you're not working hard enough or momming hard enough. And it's like the, it's always the guilt. So just normalizing the fact that you're never going to mom perfectly and let's just like move, keep it moving. I love it. And I feel like that's almost like our last segment. What do you think, Megs? Well, we do a little something called karma call. (laughs) So our last segment, Megs says way better just like than to I do, make but... me sing because they know it's traumatizing it's not traumatizing it's Come healing it's healing you're getting over your childhood trauma they're making me get so over good. my second grade horrific experience of my teacher going just move your mouth don't sing in the school play just move your Lord. mouth Laurie, don't you think it's healing for her to be awesome? <laughs> that mrs cartwright <laughs> <laughs> It sounds amazing, but I'm the resident yogi, so I will explain that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our super inspiring guests, you, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could take for like a short period of time that would make a large impact? And that literally could be not caring about your yoga pants or drinking water every morning. What do you have for us? If you have the time, I'm a large proponent of naps. Even if it's 20 minutes on the couch just to refresh yourself and replenish your energy, I find that works. Now, some people aren't great nappers, but if you can do it, do not hesitate. When your eyes are getting heavy at like 1 o'clock just to lie down for 20 minutes, you will feel so much better. I love that. Amen. That is good practical advice if I have We've never heard it before. Thank you, Lori. (laughs) Good one. Well, thank you so much, Lori. This was so amazing. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are hilarious, and <laughs> I loved every minute. It was my pleasure. Lori has left the chat. Yay! Did you guys love her? 
She's amazing. I'm she's Mongols, right? Yeah, sorry. I, I, we're too excited. Yeah. We're too excited. Because when you're a mom, you just want other moms to laugh at how ridiculous it is to be a mom, right? Totally. She's just and, funny. Uh, so uh, this Heidi, I spent so much of my life dumbing myself down because I was told that I had to, to be taken seriously. And I think she's the perfect mix of like funny. And yet, you know, she's a boss. Like that's goals. And I'm also want to raise my daughter. Now I'm like, Charlie, can you just create, yes. grow up to be like the Gilman girls, please? <laughs> Wait, that's what I was going to say. I feel like, okay, she's the mom that like my friends, there was always like your one friend in your friend group that had the cool mom, right? That like their mom was like, you could tell her anything. You knew she'd like laugh along with like the teenage humor because she was like kind of had that cool edge. Like she's that mom. I want to be that mom. Yeah, I want to be her friend too. Like, yes, now that I can get in real life activities again, (laughs) goals all around. All right. So the takeaway for me is just to like, be funny, laugh at yourself and each other and just be cool Mm -hmm. with it. Right. Yeah. Takeaway for me is the balance between the funny and the boss. My takeaway is what would Lori Gilman do? Do that. Just just do that. All right, guys. Well, thank you everybody at home for uh, tuning in today. We are so glad that you got to kind of take this journey with us and hear all about class mom. And so you've been volunteered and now yoga pant nation volunteered and yoga pant nation Buy them at bookstores Mm -hmm. everywhere. I'm sure on Amazon and across the country and follow her on Instagram. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at off the gram podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere podcast can be consumed. We'll see you next time.